All right, welcome to another episode of the Miguel Sports Management Club Speaker Series. I'm Lance Natteris, co-executive director of the club, and today I'm pleased to welcome to the show the deputy commissioner of the National Hockey League, Mr. Bill Daly. Bill, thank you very much for making the time. My pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. All right, we'll get right into uh, the questions I've got for today. So from my understanding, you played varsity football at Dartmouth and then went to law school at NYU before practicing for a few years. Uh, was there a point in all of this where you knew you wanted to work in hockey or was it more an opportunity arise and you jumped on it? Well, I'll start by saying I'm, I'm a lifelong hockey fan, even though i um, from the New York area, uh, grew up in New Jersey, um, played hockey uh, as a youth, but there wasn't as much hockey available in New Jersey at that time as there is today, um, which is we're all fortunate about. Um, so uh, I was a better football player than I was a hockey player. Um, as you said, I played football through college. Um, my ambition was always to be in professional sports um, in some form or fashion. Um, I probably wouldn't have been that picky in terms of, of opportunities um, at the time, although um, by the time I went to, to uh, uh, private practice at Skadden Arps, um, you know, I enjoyed my practice. I was able to do work for all the major professional sports leagues and probably needed a, a, a really special opportunity to, to ever leave private practice. And this opportunity came along and, and uh, as kind of chief legal officer of the entire National Hockey League, it was, a, it was an opportunity I couldn't pass up and, and was happy it was available for me. Right. So... <clears throat> You really kind of had that idea planted in your head that you wanted to get going in, in professional sports. So what advice, I guess, would you have for students who know they want to work in professional sports? Um, I guess we're just talking about myself. Do you do you think the right way to go is sort of approach it, go do more schooling and kind of wait for the opportunity to, to arise? Or do you think like really seek that out and try to work in hockey or football right away or whatever it is? Well, I don't know It's uh, whether, you know, more schooling is kind of my only direction. I, I, I think each situation is somewhat unique. It probably depends a little bit on what your strengths are and, and what you think you can can do. Um, I would say getting into the sports industry, there's a large degree of luck involved in that um, because the demand is so high um, and the opportunities are limited. So, um, you know, you have to you have to get lucky. Uh, having said that, you can put yourself in a position um, to uh, to get lucky um, uh, by, you know, making the right relationships, doing the right networking, um, making sure people know uh, that you're interested in what your capabilities are. Um, and if if you do all those things and you're diligent about it. Um, you know, the, the your chances of, of landing uh, a spot in the sports industry certainly are increased. Right. Yeah, that's that's what they preach at school nowadays. Networking. That, that was Luke Robitaille trying to get in touch with me, but I can call him after the interview. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, by any means, if you have to jump out. Uh, let me know. But tell me about your day to day duties. What does an average work day look like for Bill Daly? Um, I mean, one of the things I love about my job is it's very, very diverse. Um, each day is different and each day looks different. Um, you know, there's a there's certainly a lot of meetings and a lot of Zoom calls and a lot of conference calls that you participate in. 
there are, you know, areas that I'm responsible for that, that involve, you know, um, writing, uh, writing, whether it's writing memos to the clubs or, or guidance um, to the general managers on, on various issues. Um, you know, the, the, Gary and I are functionally responsible for the exact same things. So everything that he is in charge of, which is everything, um, I, I'm also responsible for and, and we're to a large extent interchangeable uh, on those things. Uh, having said that, I think there are areas that I concentrate on more and spend more time on uh, than he might in a typical day and vice versa. So, um, you know, we've developed a, a really good working relationship, um, a good rapport, um, and, uh, you know, um, the uh, the topics are endless and the issues that come up uh, are, are unique and different every day. And that's what uh, makes me passionate about coming to work every day. Right. Um Interesting. So, yeah, I didn't really know that, that you guys, you, your functions are quite similar. Um, it's obviously no coincidence that you're both lawyers by trade. So what about uh, a career in law kind of set you up for your job now? Or what are some of the skill sets that transfer over quite nicely? Well, I'll, I'll, I'll go back to kind of the question about schooling. I, you know, at the time um, I was trying to get into professional sports. Um, studying law and getting a law degree and having a law degree um, was a prominent feature of sports executives at the time. It was in the 90s, the mid 90s um, coming, you know, I would say from like the early 70s through the mid 90s. Um, there was a lot of litigation in professional sports and it, it played a big role in the business of professional sports, uh, including how collective bargaining agreements were negotiated. So that was the era in which we grew up and, and having a law degree in that era, I think was very important to my ability to, to land a job in professional sports. I think that landscape has changed dramatically in the 25 plus years that I've worked at the league. Um, and I think the, the emphasis really has shifted to kind of how do you maximize uh, the business uh, of the sport as opposed to, you know, winning uh, litigations in a courtroom. Um, so, you know, I, I would say uh, while it served me well, um, you know, I don't think getting a law degree is necessarily the be all and end all of, of getting a good opportunity in professional sports. Okay. Um, yeah, interesting. I know for a lot of people that want to work in sports, even with our club, they see it as a huge mountain to climb. And obviously you alluded to it with um, talking a little bit about luck, but it's good to know that you don't have to go um you know, do your undergrad, do your law, do your master's to get something. It's there's a way in. And as you were, as you said, the landscape's changed. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I want to ask you about the three different offices for those that don't know. There's one in New York, uh, one in Toronto and one in Montreal. What goes on at each and what's kind of the differences between the three ones? So our original office, our founding office is in Montreal, and that now is our smallest office. Uh, it, it houses probably 30 to 35 employees. Um, the functions that we do out of uh, Montreal typically are our scheduling department. Um, Steve Hatsapetros in particular is a longtime senior executive of the league. He's in charge of uh, constructing our schedule every year. His home office is in Montreal. He spends a lot of time, obviously, in New York as well, but uh, he's a Montrealer. Uh, we have finance uh, and our CFO um, spends time. Uh, that's Joseph D'Souza. He spends time in Montreal and has a 
a staff uh, of finance people uh, in the Montreal office. And the final function up there is kind of our pension society uh, who manages and, and administers all the pension plans that the league has in place, uh, which are many, um, actually more than 10, uh, covering various uh, classes of employees, uh, both at the club level and the league level. It's, a, it's an enormous job. Um, that organization uh, you know, is really administered by the league, but it's almost a separate standalone organization that administers those pension plans. Um, and that's Danny Boutin, uh, also in our Montreal office. Um, uh, the next biggest office is our Toronto office, um, which is, uh, you know, between 130, 140 employees uh, in Toronto. Uh, I would say the major uh, uh, functions of the Toronto office are hockey operations, uh, Colin Campbell and his staff, and, and the situation room that re reviews hockey plays, on ice hockey plays every night. Uh, are housed in uh, out of the Toronto office. We also have a, a huge business function um, in in Toronto, which really de deals mostly with our Canadian business relationships. But there's a lot of overlap there as well in terms of they work closely with our you know U.S. business focused staff. Um, and then in New York, uh, I think we're approaching probably 600 employees. Um, it is our our head office. We have. Uh, we have five floors of space in a in a you know big uh, New York office building um, that, uh, that that houses uh, those functions and it's really everything else it's everything else we do um, it's it's content it's it's uh, uh, sponsorship it's licensing it's it's media um, it's our legal department and and our finance department our legal department dealing with CBA issues. Uh, and the like. Um, it's our HR function, uh, you know, so it's, it's, it's pretty much everything else. We're, we're a pretty major organization these days, still probably smaller uh, or definitely smaller than the other major professional sports leagues in terms of manpower, um, but it's a big business. And, um, you know, we're, we're entrusted with steering that business in the right direction and, and on behalf uh, and for the benefit of the 32 clubs. Interesting. Um so I've got to ask you, one of my favorite classes in undergrad so far was my negotiation class that I took. So I've got to ask you about negotiating the CBA and what what is that like um, at a scale that large on behalf of so many people? Yeah, um, it's interesting. It's, it's an interesting dynamic. I can't tell you I specialized in negotiations um, as a, you know, in private practice or or even in my schooling or training. Uh, so it's it's something that you learn kind of on the job. And I would say labor negotiations are a little bit different than other types of negotiations. Um, and there's certainly a unique approach uh, that you kind of develop uh, with respect to labor negotiations in particular. Um, I had the good fortune of, of working with closely with some um, kind of veteran uh, labor lawyers and antitrust lawyers uh, in those negotiations that I kind of learned a lot from. Uh, obviously, Gary has a Gary Bettman has a background in industrial relations um, and has his degree from Cornell um, in labor relations. So, so he has some expertise in that area. And you know, I've been with the league twenty six and a half years now. Um, I, I'd like to think that I've kind of developed over time uh, my own expertise in this area. Um, and I think everybody's style is a little bit different uh, as to how they approach it. And 
and it comes with kind of establishing credibility um, across the table. Right. Um, I think, you know, over time I've been able to do that and, and it's, uh, you know, ultimately in order to, uh, I think our benefit um, uh, and the benefit of the organization. Right. So on, that's interesting. So on that note, um, I've got to ask you obviously about Marty Walsh, the new executive director, how's it been working with him? And, um, what do you think, obviously you guys are on opposite sides of the table, but what do you think he can bring? He's got a unique background in, in the political scene in the U S what do you think yeah, he I mean, to the I, NHLBA? Yeah, I haven't really, um, I mean, we've had several meetings to this point, um, but we haven't kind of sat down to negotiate anything. Okay. Um, having said that. I would say all our interactions have been very constructive. Um, he, he, and you, you said he has a, has a long, deep experience background in, in labor relations um, and, you know, particularly in union, union uh, politics and the like. Um, the, the striking thing about Marty that I think will benefit um, the sport uh, moving forward is he realizes the dynamics of our current relationship with our players is, we all have to pull in the same direction to maximize revenue. We're in a very competitive marketplace, uh, not only against the other professional sports leagues, but about all, really all entertainment offerings that are out there and new ones are being developed every day uh, that are competitive, uh, that are competitive, competing for customer dollars. Um, and so uh, we really need to be aligned uh, with our players in terms of, of doing what we can do to attract more fans and, and make our, our, our fans um, that we, we have currently even more passionate about the game. And, and so they consume the game more um, because that will drive revenue. And ultimately when we drive revenue that benefits the clubs, but it also equally benefits the players who get 50% of our revenue. So he understands that. I think that's a, that's a positive dynamic. Um, I think ultimately, you know, he took over for Don Fear. I think Don also had a long history in professional sports in particular and labor relations. And I, I, I'm not sure, you know, it, certainly by the end, uh, we were uh, 100% aligned. But I think coming in, he probably expected more of an adversarial relationship with us than he got. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I, I think we, uh, he, he forged and deserves a lot of credit for forging a very good relationship with the Players Association. I think Marty will continue that going forward. That's great. The the fan in me loves to hear that. <laughs> obviously, obviously uh, I guess because at the end of the day, right, everyone's you're on opposite sides, but the success of the league really depends on on both sides working together. So, a sure. um, <clears throat> couple more questions. Um, I had this phrase as AI, but we'll throw in AI technology. How is um, AI and technology? changing the product i guess hockey and how how do you think it can strengthen the product i know even in my time as i'm on 21 and we've seen puck tracking and ads on the boards and the game has changed a lot digital ads how do you think um i don't know, call it the next few years what do you foresee uh happening in that space well i mean i don't think anybody can really adequately or accurately predict kind of what the world looks like in any particular period of time. Uh, all I know is that, you know, the um, technological advancement over just the last several years has been on a pace that, you know, uh, none of us have ever seen before. And I think that's obviously going to continue. 
um, ultimately it'll change the way the game um, not only is played, but probably is is presented publicly and, and um, how it's consumed. Um, and we just have to be like everybody else. I think we have to be uh, positioned um, to take advantage of those opportunities uh, when they arise. Um, and I, you know, and, you know, when we, we build our budgets, uh, including our most recent budget, you know, innovation and technology is kind of a high growth, high spend area uh, because we have to be, you know, on the cutting edge of that and we can't fall behind it. And, and the entities that don't uh, invest in it and make sure they're uh, abreast with those technological advancements are going to fall behind competitively. So um, it's absolutely a major focus uh, of the league um, and our clubs. Uh, and it'll continue to be a focus going forward. Yeah, no, it's exciting. Uh, things are changing rapidly. It's exciting to see how uh, you guys integrate that into the future of the game going forward. So I've got to ask you about the women's stuff, women's hockey, uh, a little bit. Now that we have a bit more clarity on the future of women's hockey in North America, what can you say about working with the new league and I guess, how does the NHL plan on supporting that moving forward? And what's that dynamic going to look like? Well, it's um, it's taken us a while to get to where we are currently, yeah. uh, certainly. And that's unfortunate because I do think that, um, you know, the growth was uh, restrained uh, to, a, to a large extent over the last several years by the dynamics um, of, of women's hockey uh, that existed. So I, I think that was unfortunate. Having said that, I, I, I think everybody is prepared to turn the page and kind of um, build um, a new beginning. Um, and we've already been in discussions uh, with, with the new league about how we can be helpful. And, and uh, um, we've uh, uh, had some substantive discussions with respect to what that looks like um, in the short term and then potentially in the longer term. Um, and I think you, what you're going to see is you're going to see, uh, you know, women's hockey on a bigger platform um virtually right away and i think it'll only grow from there i think there is an appetite uh for elite women's professional hockey and and i think if it's built smartly um and deliberately i i think there's a great chance that it'll be successful so uh, very bullish on the future of women's hockey right um love to hear that so last question before i let you go how much hockey do you watch obviously you're in it it's your life. How much hockey do you watch? I watch a lot of hockey. I, as I said at the the stop uh, or at the start, my um, you know, my life uh, long passion has been hockey to a large extent. So uh, being able to and you know when I when I first took this job, it was like I was like a kid in a candy store almost in in the sense that you know I got to watch or go to as many games as I wanted to go to, and I I still feel that way. Um, even 26 plus years removed, I feel very, very fortunate um, uh, to be involved in a sport that I love and a sport that I think is growing, uh, continues to grow and has a very bright future. Uh, and being able to play a role in that um, has been very gratifying for me personally. Um, and I expect that uh, and certainly hope that that's the case going forward. Fantastic. Well, Bill, I really appreciate you making the time. Um, excellent insight. And I'm sure everyone's gonna gonna love. Uh, everyone in the club is gonna eat this up. They're they're gonna. Everyone's really excited to hear. So well, that, that's great. Thank you for having me, Lance. I appreciate the opportunity. All right. Have a great rest of your day.
Thank you. You as well. Thanks.